pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. You can be seated. Uh, Pastor Chris, if you don't, if you're wondering where he is at, he is with his family. They are driving currently to California to go visit his mom. Remember he shared that she's been sick and not doing well. The last update that I got uh, earlier today was that she is doing slightly better, but not out of the woods yet. So continue to pray uh, and just pray for them as they travel back and forth. All right. So tonight, open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. Should be easy to find. It's the first book. Genesis chapter 12. And then if you would also make a mark put something in your Bible over in Acts, in the, in the book of Acts. And I've, I've titled this message tonight, Hearing from God. And I don't claim to be any kind of expert on hearing from God. Uh, we all want God, we all want to hear from God. We want God to speak uh, to us, direct our lives. We hear ver- verses like this. My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. We hear verses like this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path or direct your steps. So if you're like me, there can be some confusion at times. There can be some unsettling at times as we try to discern was that God's voice I'm hearing, or did I have too much Taco Bell? What, what is it? How do I know the difference? And we wish that when God would speak to us, that like bells would chime, and you'd know, oh, it's God, the bells are going off. Or we would hear angels beginning to sing when God speaks to us. We would, don't, wouldn't that be nice if it was that easy? And tonight, as we go through, I'm going to be sharing some of my testimony, uh, some of my family's testimony as we go tonight. Again, I'm not an expert in hearing from God. I'm never going to claim to be. But I'm going to share some things that have helped me uh, and that have helped our family discern the voice of God. And my prayer tonight is that you can take away this info. You can test it by the scriptures uh, and then blaze your own path, path with the Lord because God wants to speak to you. He wants you to know what he wants for your life. He wants to direct your life. We see the perfect model of this in Jesus as he's led by the Spirit. Remember, he gets baptized. The Holy Spirit descends uh, in the form of a dove and stays upon him. And from there, his ministry begins. And Jesus gives us a perfect example of what it looks like to be led by the Spirit. What did Jesus do in order to hear the Father's will? He often got up early and went out into the wilderness and prayed. He spent time in connection with the Father. Remember, he says later on in his ministry, I always do the things that my Father said. Constant communion with the Father. So there's prayer, obviously, is a main connecting point to hearing from the Father. And before we get into Genesis, some ground rules about hearing for the Lord, and this is not an exhaustive list, but I think this is things that I've heard and things that have been helpful for me uh, in hearing from the Lord. Number one, God is speaking and he has spoken 
through the Bible, okay? So if what you're considering, if what you're thinking God's calling you to do contradicts what the Bible says, it's not from God. That's a real simple one. If you, you know, for instance, I'm just making this up, not me personally, but I'm dating someone and they're not saved. They're not a Christian. The Bible says don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So if I'm dating a Christian and I'm coming to my pastor and saying, hey, will you marry us? And, you know, my question as the pastor would be, well, is, is the person you want to marry, do they, are they saved? They might, well, he talked about God once or she talked about God once. And, well, no, I don't know. No, not really. It's not from the Lord. I can tell you that right off the bat. Things like that. If it's contradictory to what Scripture says, it's not from God. You're not hearing from Him. You might be hearing your own will, but you're not hearing God's will. So something else, ground rules. Spending time with Jesus helps you recognize His voice. He said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. If you're not spending time with Him, and how, just, I mean, this is back to basics. How do we spend time with the Lord? How do we do that? Yeah, exactly. Read your Bible and pray every day and you grow, grow, grow. You also begin to recognize the voice of God. And as you take steps of faith and you realize, that's what God told me to do and I did it and that happened. And next time you recognize that voice a little easier. But if you don't spend time together, if you're not hanging out with the Lord, then you don't recognize his voice as easily. But spending time with him in the Word, spending time in prayer, those are critical things. Remembering that God often speaks to us in a still, small voice. Remember in 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah's out there and he, he's trying to hear from the Lord and he, he wasn't found in the wind. And God's voice wasn't found in the earthquake. And it wasn't found in the fire, in these big events but it was in the still, small voice. You know what that kind of tells me? God has the capability of booming a voice from heaven down to you like he did when Jesus, when he said, this is my beloved son, hear him. We wish it was like that every time, but primarily God speaks to us through his word in a still, small voice that just sort of confirms something in your heart or impresses something upon you. But if you're so busy with life, you can miss out on a quiet voice. You hear all the other noise going on. Remember Jesus talked about in the parable of the soils, he talked about that one seed that got into the weeds and it grew up with the weeds and it choked out the seed that was growing. No fruit could happen because it was getting choked out. And Jesus said that those, those weeds were representative of the cares of this life. It becomes so much that we, we, we lose our sense of our spiritual direction and fruit isn't born and we're not following what God wants us to do because there's so much noise going on. So Jesus, again, gives us the example of getting away, going out to the wilderness. And you don't have to literally go up into the wilderness, but find a quiet place, have a quiet heart and just sit there with the Lord. Sing some worship songs, read the word, pray, ask him, what are you trying to tell me? And then you've got to be quiet long enough to hear an answer. <laughs> right? 
So also hearing from the Lord requires that we walk by faith. Because he gives us things to do in his word. These are things like practical things that you can read and go, hey, I can love my enemies. But it takes, it takes faith to step out and go actually do that. And it says in Ephesians 2.10 that what we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that were prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Take faith. This is kind of a lame example, and you folks that are more around my age will know what I'm talking about. But who, who saw the, the music video back when those were a thing in the 80s uh, for Michael Jackson's uh, Billie Jean? Anybody seen that video? Okay, I'm not trying to bring some space trash into your mind. If it's there, it's, it's already there. So, but in the video, he's walking down a sidewalk. And as he walks down the sidewalk, what happens to the steps? They light up. You can't really see the steps until he steps on it, and then it lights up, and then it lights up. And that's kind of like, in my own mind, that helps me to, to think about what it is to walk by faith. You take a step, because God told you to do something, and you're like, man, I, I don't see where it is, but then as soon as you step, boom, it lights up, and you're like, oh, God met me right here, just like he said he would. And then the, I'm going to take another step, and boom, it lights up, and God just keeps directing your path. So now when you see that video, you're going to think about God leading you by the Spirit instead of whatever Michael Jackson's singing about. So the, another thing, hearing from the Lord requires obedience. Now, is there something that God's shown you to do and you're not doing it? And then you wonder, how come I'm not hearing from the Lord? What? I don't, he's not talking to me. He's been silent for weeks and months and years. But you know in the back of your mind, he told you to do that one thing way back then. And you haven't done it yet. He's waiting for that obedience so that that step can light up, so he can meet you right there. And then you'll get the next step. And so we're going to look at our text here, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, and this is the guy who later becomes Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. So who are the descendants of Abraham? Today, today like, like literally blood speaking. The Jews. Yeah, we are grafted in. Romans tells us that. But the Jews. And God says that those that bless you, I'm going to bless, and those that curse you, I'm going to curse. So it's not a good thing to be on the opposite side of Israel, to be their enemy. But notice what he tells them. Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Now, did God tell Abram where that was going to be? There's, there's no indication here that it tells him where that was going to be. Get out, away from your family, and I'll show you. All right, so what does that indicate to me? God gives us one step at a time. You want to find out what step two is, you get to be obedient to step one. Now, what's interesting about Abram is we're told, if you go back to chapter 11, verse 31, it says, And Terah, that's his dad, took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, 
his son Abram's wife, and they went out from the Ur of the Chaldeans, that's where Abraham lived, to go to the land of Canaan, and they came to Haran and dwelt there. So they never made it to Canaan, they got to Haran. So the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died. Then it says, now the Lord said to Abram. Well, an interesting fact. If you flip over to Acts chapter 7, Acts chapter 7, verse 2. This is when Stephen is, they're getting ready to martyr Stephen, but prior to him being stoned to death, he gives this great testimony of the history of the nation of Israel. And it says in verse 2, And he said, Brethren and fathers, listen, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran and said, get out of your country and from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. Then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. And from there, when his father was dead, he moved into this land, which you now dwell. So we read about Abraham or Abram and we think he, he's talked about as the father of faith. He heard from God. He believed. That's why he's, he's considered such a great man of faith. Well, we learn here that Acts gives us a little more insight that God actually gave him this direction before his father died, before they went anywhere. And what did we see there in verse 31 of chapter 11? Abram, his dad, his nephew, they all went with him. That's not what the instruction God gave him. He said, get out of your father's house, get out of your, your country. But yet he took dad along with him. He took Lot with him. And we know that Lot became a pain in his neck. And, it, and it, the, when you read it in Genesis, you get the idea that this happened like God said, Abraham went. But when you read the account in Acts and you put the, the whole picture together, you realize that there's a time gap here. And I think that's something important to note as we want to hear from the Lord. We hear things from the Lord, but then we expect it to happen tomorrow. God may be preparing us for something five years from now or next week or whatever it is, but he's always preparing us for the next step. So one thing I do want to point out, though, is was Abram fully obedient to what God told him to do? No, he wasn't. He was partial obedient. And I want you to know we should be fully obedient to God, but God can work even in our partial obedience. Now, if you're talking about lying, partial truth is a full lie. But partial obedience to God, God knows that we are merely made of dust. He knows our frame is what the Bible tells us. He knows that we're weak. He knows that we get scared or that we get nervous. Just start taking those steps. As he gives you direction, as he tells you things just start taking those steps and be obedient to what he's showing you to do and let him meet you there right and so abram ideally he would have said dad lot country city sarah and i are taking off where are you going i don't know wherever god shows me and they would have left they didn't do that there was a time gap and then when he finally left he took his dad with him he took his nephew with him i don't know why it doesn't tell us but ultimately god gets him where he wants him he started moving. He started going in a direction, and God began to 
as it says in Proverbs, to direct his steps. So verse 3, it says, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, Abram, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. How did that happen? Name starts with a J, ends with Jesus. Jesus is a descendant of Abraham. The whole, the whole world was blessed. All of mankind is blessed because of Abraham's obedience. And so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And when Abram was 75 years old, and so if you're uh, in that age range, if you're an elderly saint, it's never too late to get started. So he's 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people with whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Morah, and the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountains east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar or he built a place to meet with God to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed going on still south or on still toward the south. So you can read the whole story of Abram and later Abraham, his name gets changed, from Genesis 12 through Genesis 25. I encourage you to read it because he continues to be obedient and he continues to get himself in trouble and he continues to be obedient and he continues to get himself in trouble. But the New Testament doesn't record all that. In, in the book of Hebrews, it records this. Hebrews 11 Hebrews 11.8 says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Why? For he waited for the city who has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Abram was waiting for heaven. He's waiting for heaven. Willing to follow God wherever God would lead him, believing the promises of God, but looking forward to heaven. And I think that's, that's the way that we need to move too. We need to be obedient to God. We need to look forward to whatever God has for us, but ultimately we need to be looking forward to heaven and eternity with Jesus. So with when you have this perspective that you're looking for the city whose foundation, whose builder and maker is God, when you have that perspective, it doesn't matter where God takes you. You're open to his leading to go anywhere. I think sometimes we think about being obedient to God. Hearing If I, if I hear from God, and I'm obedient to God, he's going to make me go out to the jungle in South America to, to share the gospel with some Indians who don't speak English, and I just, I don't know, I can't do that. There's too many mosquitoes, it's too muggy, you know, like, and buggy. But, like, what am I supposed to do? Well, I can promise you this, 
if God wants you to go there, he's going to make that place desirable in your heart. Because the Bible says that he, he gives us the desires of our heart. Those desires, when we're, when we're communing with him and we're in fellowship with him and we're walking with him, the desires that he lays in our heart, they're his desires that he's placing in our heart. And then we're like, you know what? The jungle in South America sounds like the greatest place ever. I'm a little scared, but I'm going to go anyway because God's taken me there. Right? That's, so, I mean, that's what he does. And so I'm going to share a little bit of my testimony. Uh, the scripture that we're in has a big part in my testimony. And so when I was a little kid, I'm going way back, okay? Uh, when I was a little kid, four or five years old, um, I don't even know how I heard about church, but I said to my mom, and we didn't go to church at that time, but I said to my mom, like, Mom, what's church? And at that point, what I didn't know until many years later was that that was like a dagger of conviction to my mom's heart because she had drifted from the Lord. And so when her little kid comes up to her asking, Mom, what's church? She's like, oh, from the Holy Spirit. So she took me to a church. And we went to Sunday school. And I remember being a little kid. I don't, again, like four or five years old. I remember going into my bedroom and asking Jesus in my heart. And that's, that's about the extent of my awesome testimony as a little kid. And so I grew up from kindergarten through sixth grade. I went to a Christian school. Uh, at, the, at school and at church, uh, I memorized Bible verses. I sang Christian songs. I loved Jesus. Right? We sang these songs, you can sing them if you know them, I am a C, I am a C, I am a C, right? And yeah, keep going. <laughs> yeah, and you, and you end up spelling out Christian. When I was a little kid, I never knew what I was spelling until I got older, and I figured it out. Oh, we were spelling Christian. Right? We sang this other song. It was so cool. And what's so awesome about music is it gets played in. So all these years later, 30-something years later, I still remember these songs. I can still remember Bible verses that I learned. My testimony doesn't stay great, so it's great right now, but it doesn't stay that way. Right? So we learned this other song. Twelve men went to spy on Canaan. Twelve men went to spy on Canaan. Ten were bad and two were good. What do you think they saw in Canaan? Ten were bad and two were good. Some saw giants big and strong. Some saw grapes ten clusters long. And if you're the veggie tales, long. Some saw God was in it all. Ten were bad and two were good. And then you sing it faster. And it, it's, it's fun. We learned a song, I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed. And you sing, I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. By the blood of, I've been redeemed. Right? No, you can't get to heaven on roller skates. Go right past those pearly gates. Right? I learned this song. The Lord nailed me with this one when I was about 20-something. But it's from 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Beloved, beloved, let us love one another. Give me echoes. Let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not, what? Knoweth not God, for God is love. Right? So God drilled me between the eyes with that one. 
when I was older, when I had a lot of hate in my heart. And our pastor in, in Houston shared that verse as a cross-reference. And then as soon as those words left his mouth, that song popped into my head. And I felt like I got hit by an arrow by the Lord. You want to follow me? You got to love people. So at about 16, 17 years of age, I walked away from the Lord completely. And why? I'll tell you why. Because I liked girls a lot. And I wanted to do whatever I could to chase after as many of them as I could. And I knew in my heart that I can't live the life that I want to live as a Christian and do all of the things that I want to dating girls. I wasn't into drugs. I wasn't into alcohol. Not at that time. But it was, it was all about girls and having fun and going on dates and whatever. And, you know, I, the, the problem that I had, the church that I went to growing up, they did a great job of sharing the gospel. They did a great job of getting people saved and baptized. But they didn't do a great job of teaching people how to walk with the Lord. And I remember I had this thought in my head that I can't, there's no way, the pressure and the things that I'm feeling, I don't know how to deal with those and be a Christian. And so I'll come back to this later in life. And I just totally walked away. And for about the next like 10 to 12 years, I just did whatever I wanted. I ultimately did get into alcohol and partying and doing stuff, music, you know. But there was a series of events in my life. Um, my wife and I had met. We weren't married. We were cohabitating outside of marriage. Uh, we had one daughter um, before I ended up rededicating my life to the Lord, and she was pregnant with the second one. Prior to that, she had a miscarriage at 20 weeks, and that was that was the boy, for those of you who want to know. Uh, we have all girls. That was the boy. Um, but there was, it took another year plus of heartache before I surrendered to the Lord, but I knew when she had that miscarriage that the Lord was drawing me back. And when I, I say a divine voice because I honestly, I don't know where it came from. I don't know if it was on the radio, a dream, but our oldest daughter was about a year old. She was pregnant with daughter number two. And I, I heard a voice from the Lord say, you're going to end up like righteous lot and lose your family. And again, another dagger from the Lord. And I said, okay, we'll go to church. I said, Shannon, we got to go to church. And interestingly enough, she had gotten saved during this point in our life without any help from me. My mom took her to Bible study. Which, so you got a 19-year-old, 20-year-old girl going to a Bible study with a bunch of 60-year-old women, 50, 60-year-old women, and she got saved. So if you're afraid to invite your younger family members to a Bible study, don't be. God works. She got loved on. She heard the gospel. She got saved, and God was doing a work in her life, and I had no idea. And so when I said, let's go to church, we need to go to church, she's like, okay. 
I'm like, all right, sweet, let's go to church. Well, I didn't want to go back to the church I came from, so I started looking at churches and things, and I heard about Calvary Chapel. And actually, growing up, I had heard Calvary Chapel was a cult. And I heard that Calvary Chapel had really cool worship music. So I was like, you know what, let's go there. I heard they're not too judgy. You can wear what you want, and they have good music, right? So we, sh <laughs> yeah, I'm not that old, but... Um, yeah, more in the more in the Jesus freak age, but uh, we ended up by God's grace at Calvary Chapel West Grove in Garden Grove, California, with Pastor Brad Young, and you know just heard the Bible taught verse by verse for the first time in my life, and I remember thinking to myself, how in the world is it possible? I know these verses; I grew up learning them. How do, how is it that my idea was we'll go to church, we'll send the kids off to children's ministry, we'll get them saved up, we'll be all good to go, we'll be in heaven together. Right? But little did I know that it was me that needed the work. And it was the word of God taught verse by verse. And I remember I told Shannon after the first time we went, I said, I had this Bible my whole life and I didn't know you could get this much out of it. we got to go back. And there was a hunger for the word of God. And it sort of just started building from there. So while there, uh, around 2003 or so, I rededicated my life to the Lord, got baptized, in 2006, we moved to Houston from Southern California. Don't ever do that. Yeah, it's, Houston's not meant for everybody. Uh, and so while we were there, we came to another Calvary Chapel. We were, that Calvary Chapel was meeting in a daycare center. There was about 30 people, really tiny. And the pastor there, he recognized new people right off the bat because there was nowhere to hide. I mean, the one in Garden Grove that I went to was like 1,200 people. The one I went to, this one's like 30 people. And so we walk in there, and the pastor, he's like this surfer dude from Southern California through Vegas to Texas. And he's like, hey, bro, what's up? How are you? Welcome. I'm not kidding. How are you? That's how he talks. Sounds like that turtle on uh, Finding Nemo. And so after, after service, you know, he's got more time after service. And he, like Chris, he stands out front by the door and greets people. And again, when you're in a small congregation, sort of the 30 people there, of those 30 people, probably 15 of them are serving after service. So there's not less people around. And then you've got uh, the pastor standing there and there's no escaping. Like you can't like dodge him or anything like that. So he, he wants to meet us. He finds out we went to Calvary Chapel in California. He was like, oh, awesome, because like, no one knew in Houston what a Calvary Chapel was. And so he's like, oh, awesome, you guys know Calvary Chapel. And, cool, awesome, welcome. And then he, he looks me right in the eye, and he asks me this question. He said, what's the Lord been showing you this week? I'm like, what? <laughs> and I think I fumbled through some something about grace and just made something up and left, right? And I, again, I went home, and I told Shannon, Shannon's my wife, if you guys haven't figured that out yet. But I, I, told, I told Shannon, I said, I have got to start reading the Bible because he's going to ask me again, what's the Lord showing you this week? And so I did. I started reading the Bible. I haven't stopped. I'm still waiting for him to ask me. He never asked me again. But the Lord began to do awesome things in our life at that point. And we began serving the Lord there. Uh, but it all started by just reading my Bible outside of church. The second thing we were doing that was important to see how God was directing our life 
is that we showed up. And then there was a guy in my life at that time who went to that church. His name was, was Paul Bertaccini, and he only went there for a really short time. But in a church like that where you're in a, a building that's not your own, there's a lot of setup and teardown that has to happen every week for services to happen. And so they had these Saturdays. They would set up church, and they would have prayer meeting after, after the setup. And this guy, Paul, was like, hey, Dave, you want to come to the church set up on Saturday? And I was kind of like, eh. And he's like, I'll pick you up. All right, you're going to pick me up. So he picks me up, brings me there. So I started, just kind of showed up, got involved. Right? Then from there, Paul, Paul, bless his heart. I was telling this to his face. He already knows it. He cannot sing a lick. The guy sings horribly. Okay. Well, somehow or another, he ended up leading worship on Wednesday nights because he could play the guitar. But he couldn't sing. So he had to go on a business trip one of these Wednesdays. And he goes, hey, Dave, um, I've already talked to Pastor Mike about this. I know you play guitar. He's like, uh, can you like fill in for me on this Wednesday night? At that point in my life, I'd never played a guitar or sang in front of people other than karaoke, right? But not, not like leading a church in worship. Small church, but still church, right? And so I'm like, yeah, I guess. And so Paul went on the trip. I led worship. Paul came back and never took over. It was mine. Now you're leading worship on Wednesdays. And God was just, there's a time frame that passes here, but God just doing work. Went on mission trips, right? And so here's something that I want to impart to you. If you want to hear from the Lord, if you want to see him work in your life, figure out where you should serve or how you should serve. Just start showing up. Just show up. Get involved. Get involved in lots of different things. You don't necessarily have to pick a ministry to serve in, but Go to a ladies' retreat. Go to a men's retreat. Go to a men's breakfast, if you're a man. Right? Help out in the coffee. Try out children's ministry. Just get involved in different things. Go on a mission trip. See what God wants to do in your life. And he begins to stir different things to direct your steps. And so as, we, as you show up, as you get involved in these different things, you serve in ministries and all this different stuff, it's the equivalent of being in a sailboat and putting your sail up. And you allow the Holy Spirit to just go and blow you in the direction that he wants you to go. It's, it's really easy to direct a sailboat that has its sail up. But if the sail is not up, all you can do is be tossed around on the water. You may not sink, but you're going to have no direction. If the sail is up, you can go in a direction. And God can easily direct you where he wants you to put the sail up. Get involved. Figure it out. I can't tell you where you should be involved. Pastor Chris can't tell you where you should be involved. If you ask us where do we want you to be involved, pastors will always tell you something. They'll tell you, well, we need help in children's ministry. Go, so go help out over there. But you may hate kids. You should love kids. But, but it may not be your cup of tea, right? They may frustrate you and make you angry and you just not, that's not what you're cut out for. But, you know, serving tables at a ladies retreat that's your thing i can set these places and make them look beautiful and i just love to do that and i'm doing it for the lord but god's going to direct your steps but just get involved try out different things and i chose this particular scripture in genesis because god used it in a big way in my life so we've been in houston now for a number of years i was in 2014 of fast forwarding now uh, i was pretty much doing full-time volunteer ministry and then working full-time and 
the, the job that I was working was to provide pay so that we could live, but the ministry is where I was called, and it's what I wanted to do, right? So at that time, there was this a tumultuous thing going on at work where uh, they, want, they just started messing with schedules for no reason, okay? And by them messing with my schedule, that they were giving us a schedule that didn't have a set schedule. So you'd work a couple days, have some days off, work a few more days, and you just never knew when your set days off were at. That doesn't work when you're trying to be at church on Sundays and Wednesdays for Sundays for two services, prayer and evening service, and be there on Wednesday nights and and do prepare Bible studies and do different things. So I'm like, I I can't do this. Like I can't work here. And there was just a stirring in my spirit that, like, it's time for a change. And so I began to do something else that helped you hear from the Lord. I fasted and prayed. And the bare bones basics of fasting is not eating. And you hear that you can fast from a lot of things. That's true. Like, you can turn off your TV for a week or not, no social media, that type of fast. And that's good. Spend time with the Lord and don't just turn it off and not spend time with the Lord. But the, the bare bones of fasting is that you don't eat and you pray. And the idea is that we're always three times a day, maybe more, desserts, we're feeding the flesh. But when you fast, it's the opposite. You starve the flesh and you feed the spirit. And so I begin to fast and pray. And I didn't know, like, Lord, I need to hear from you about what to do. And so as I'm fasting and praying, I just decide I'm going to start reading my Bible. And I don't know where to read. I'm not even going to try to, if I try to pick a scripture, I'm going to pick one that I want to hear. So I just started on page one, in the beginning, God. And I just started reading. And I read and I read and I read. And I came right here to chapter 12. And I, and I read, now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you and the words jumped off the page into my heart it's like it have, have you guys ever had that happen when you're reading the scripture it's like it, it jumps off the page it comes alive and it's like right you know at that moment God is speaking to you and I knew at that moment what he what was being called of me at that moment was to just quit my job I didn't know where I was going to work after that. But God showed me, like, right there in that instant, put in your two weeks notice. So I did. I, well, I got confirmation from my wife because that's kind of a weird thing, right? At that time, she wasn't working. She was a stay-at-home mom with four little girls. And I'm telling her, God showed me to quit my job. Yeah, that's the reaction that you would expect. Like, <laughs> you're crazy. Find a new job first. But that's not what God showed me. He said, you put it, it's in this. You put in the two weeks and I'll show you your next step. And I did. And when I told Shannon, she was like, okay, cool. Do what God showed you to. I was like, what? That's what you call confirmation, okay? So I put in the two weeks notice and then God's timing didn't quite work out as fast as I thought it should, but he was doing other things in my life for me to trust him. But he got me another job that was, uh, worked out for to be able to continue doing ministry. So what I, I actually put in my two weeks notice. I had time to burn, so I burned my time, and I left the country. I went to El Salvador on a mission trip. And I came back, and then I didn't have a job. <laughs> but, but God provided. Um, and so 
his timing isn't always on par with ours. Uh, and sometimes when that happens, we begin to think, oh no, did I make the biggest mistake of my life? And so I was reading, again, just in my daily Bible reading, I was in Acts chapter 7. The same passage as this, and I read those same words again. And God said, you did what I wanted you to. I was like, okay. This is where rubber meets the road. I'm going to trust the Lord or I'm not. And so, more to my personal story, for years, serving in ministry, uh, I've been going on mission trips. Uh, started when I was in Garden Grove. I didn't go on the mission trip, but they sparked it, the desire within me. They were taking a trip to Tibet. And when I saw the slide and they talked a little bit about the ministry and showed some pictures from a previous trip, like my heart was burning. I want to go on a mission trip. And we moved to Houston. And so in 2006, not long after we moved there, we had an opportunity to go to Honduras. And I was like, I'm going. I can't not go. And I went to Honduras. And then I've been to El Salvador five or six times. I've been to the Philippines like five times. I've been to Russia three times. I've been been all over the globe. I love mission trips. I thought for years that God was going to call us to go into international missions. And I had a desire to go. I had an opportunity to go. I was offered a position in the Philippines at the Bible College, the Calvary Chapel Bible College, uh, to be there full time. There was a problem, though. Shannon didn't want to go. She said, I'm happy to go on short-term mission trips with you, but I do not want to go live over there. But I think God's calling us. What do you do? What do you do when you have a situation like that? You force your wife to go? She would have went, but it would have been a miserable experience. My pastor actually said, if you guys aren't on the same page, I'm not getting behind you to go. So what do you do in that situation? Well, then you pray. And you leave it with the Lord. If it's his desire for you to go, he'll work it out in the other person's heart. So now we're going to fast forward again. That's 2014, 2015, somewhere in there. So fast forward again. Now we're in 2017. At church, there's been a shift in my ministry. Pastor calls me into his office. And he said, at that time, I was leading worship for the congregation and doing a number of other things, youth and college and men's ministry and all kinds of stuff. But there's a shift in ministry. The main thing I was doing that he wanted me to focus on was the worship part. And he calls me into the office and he says, hey, Dave, we're going to make a change in worship. I'm going to pull you out. Because you haven't done anything wrong. I just feel like a sense from the Lord that this is what he's telling me to do. And I was like, okay. And in the meantime, he wanted me to start a college group. So he said, focus on that keep doing the rest of the stuff you're doing. And there was a few things over time that sort of just shifted and moved around, not necessarily bad, not necessarily a huge difference, but just different, right? And so I still loved serving in ministry. I still loved the roles I was in. My favorite one at that time was, was I was overseeing missions and just to be able to plan trips and go on all these trips was great. But God had to take me out of that role of overseeing worship in order for me to hear from him about something else. Change isn't always a bad thing. So 
it was in that time frame that God really began to stir in our, mine and Shannon's heart, to move. We had a desire to move. We didn't have a reason to move. But this just weird desire that it's time to like go somewhere. I thought it was international missions still, but Shannon's talking about moving to Phoenix. And I'm like, what are you, crazy? It's 120 degrees there. I don't want to go to Phoenix. So we'll, we'll just pray about it. And we this is just between her and I. We hadn't told anyone about this yet. We were just praying. And God moved supernaturally at that time. I was at work thinking about, like, where, where else is there in the southwest? I'm like, don't want to be in Arizona. Definitely do not want to be in New Mexico. I'm like, what else is in the southwest? Utah? Never been to Utah. Looked up Utah on the map and go, ah, that looks neat. I think I could do that. Went home, told Shannon, I go, hey, you ever thought about Utah? And she's like, I said, well, what I told her, remember we were talking about moving? She said, yeah. I said, well, do you, you ever thought about Utah? And she goes, shut up. I said, what? At the time we were talking, she's got her phone, like she's kind of looking at her phone and we're talking. And she shut up. And she turns her phone like this. She was looking at houses in Utah. I go, all right, well, I guess God's on the move. He's doing something. So let's just pray and figure out what God's doing. I went to the Philippines on a mission trip. Well, at that time in the Philippines, they have this wonderful thing on the Bible college grounds called a piog. And a piog is sort of like a, uh, I don't know what, what do we call those things that you get married in, but like a gazebo. And it, it's in a circle. It has benches around it. It's covered at the top. And get up early in the morning, go in there to pray. And while I'm praying in there, I feel like the Lord impressed it's on my heart. I'm not sending you to Utah just to live. I want you to plant a church. Okay. Come back. Tell Shannon. She says, oh. <laughs> that was her response. Oh. Like, well, oh, is that good or oh, is that bad? She's like, just oh, I don't know yet. And, you know, we're praying God moves supernaturally now uh, as, as he's called to do this. At this point, it's hard to pinpoint like one scripture, but it seems like every sermon that we listen to, every radio show, every Bible time seems to confirm that this is what we're supposed to go do and so at that time i decided to meet with my pastor and tell him that like god's calling us to go church plant in utah and so you guys don't know him at least i don't think you do but his personality is, is that when he you tell him something like this there's no going back see i tell him god showed me to do this he's going to be behind me to push me in the direction god's showing me he's not going to try to hold on to me so that i know if i tell him this there's no going back Unless I came to him groveling and said, like, I made a mistake, you know. But so he tells me, disciple yourself out of a job, uh, train other people to do what you're doing, and go do what God's called you to do. And we had several confirmations. So you all, when you're praying and you're, you want to be like Abraham, you want to hear from the Lord. And then you want to take steps of faith and you want to see the Lord meet you there. But you also look for other confirmations, confirmation in the word, 
confirm that you've heard from the Lord. That's probably the most important one. But then other things, right? Other people. So in this time frame, my pastor, first when I met with him, actually one of the first things out of his mouth was good. I'm glad you finally figured it out. <laughs> okay. I leave that meeting with him, go around the corner. There's a, another guy, brother there named Anthony. Anthony knows nothing about this. Didn't know we had this conversation. He goes, he's kind of a goofy guy. And he's like, hey, Dave, you know, I think it's about time you go get your own church. Did you hear what we were just talking about? He didn't know anything about it. Another brother there, Chuck. I played on the worship team with him for years. His wife, Bonnie, serves there. I'm talking to Chuck because he was helping me out with men's ministry, and I'm telling him, Chuck, you're going to have to take over men's ministry. And I tell him why. And he goes, oh, Dave, you know what? He goes, I was driving with Bonnie the other day, and Bonnie said, you know, I really think Dave and Shannon are going to go plant a church somewhere. I'm like, are you kidding me? And I, well, so I tell Chuck, Chuck, don't just keep it between us for right now. Don't tell anybody. I go to work. Right? I worked at a police department. A lieutenant there, he tell, he is not saved as far as I know. He knows doesn't come to our church, knows nothing about this. He comes and he says to me, hey, are you leaving us? I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, I had a dream the other night that you're leaving us. I'm like, are you kidding me? Chuck again, he comes, he's like in a panic. You, he, you gotta know Chuck, but he's kind of in a panic and he's like, Hey, hey, I, I swear, I didn't tell Bonnie a thing. But on the way here the other day, she's like, Chuck, I really think that Dave and Shannon are going somewhere to plant a church. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's okay, Chuck, you can tell Bonnie. <laughs> right? my, Shannon, my wife, she has a meeting with our pastor's wife, Tanya. And during this meeting, Shannon had, remember her response to me was, oh, so she was fasting, praying, seeking the Lord, and the Lord showed her some scripture, which I don't remember what that was. But then in prayer time, she shared it with Tanya before she shared it with me. I guess that was like she had to get it off her chest to somebody before she could tell me. But that, that the Lord had told her, if this is what I've called him to do, who are you to get in the way? And at that moment, she was like, okay, Lord, you do what you want. Our kids came on board on their own at different times. Now, they don't all want to stay in Utah, I'll tell you that. But they, they each one of them, we told them, you guys, this is going to be a family affair. If you're not all on board, we're not going. I had one that was a senior in high school, one that was going to be a senior the next year, one in, that was in her sophomore year, and another one that was getting ready to go into junior high. It's a weird time to leave your home. Right? So we told them, you guys pray. And each one of them on their own came and said, we, we're, we're ready to go. We'll, we'll go. There wasn't a fight. And so even when all of that stuff happens, there is still this thought of, God, is this really you? Is this just some fantasy, some pipe dream? Uh, you know, some, at the same time, things at my job were going really well. I had a great schedule. I had unlimited overtime. I had a take-home car. I got to wear plain clothes, like, it was good. I didn't have any complaints at all. Liked what I was doing. Liked the people I worked with. And I'm like, Lord, are you really calling me to leave all this? Like, it would be a lot easier in a couple of years when the kids graduate high school. Then we go. God's telling me, no, you need to go now. And so I read another scripture in the book of Acts. 
chapter 16 again. God will meet you right where you're at if you'll just continue to seek him. But Acts chapter 16, verse 6, it says, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. This is the one that came to life, that jumped off the pages. Verse 10. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. When I read that verse, again, it jumped off the pages. It came alive in my heart, and I knew God was saying, now is the time, prepare to go. And we did. From, it was about a year. From that point, it was about a year that we were getting some debts paid off and just doing some different things, and the Lord had showed both myself and my wife that it was going to be about a year before we leave. And it was almost a year to the day that we actually got in a car and came. But there can be this tendency to doubt. There can be this tendency to go, how am I really hearing from the Lord? Is this really you, God? And then the thing to do is just keep seeking the Lord. And he'll show you. He'll confirm. He'll tell you when. You just got to keep doing it. And so one last thing that I'm going to share with you guys, and I really mean that, James, the book of James, Chapter 3. This is something I've used often in my life. It's some verses that I've given as counsel to people who are trying to figure out what to do. Is the Lord really calling me? Uh, how do I know if it's the Lord? So James chapter 3, verse 13 says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. Why? Because this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. You're trying to make a decision. Should I follow the Lord? Is this God? Is there a lot of confusion in it? Is there a problem? Like, there's going to be doubts that creep up, but I'm talking about where you're just so confused that you're anxious over it and you don't know what to do and you, as a family, you can't figure it out. Like, it's not from the Lord, because look what it says. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then what? Peaceable. Is there peace in the decision? It's gentle. It's willing to yield. My wife's willing to yield. If this is what God's calling me to do, I'm not going to get in the way. Willing to yield. Gentle. Full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So if you're trying to make a decision to figure out, am I hearing from the Lord or not? Do you have, have you heard from the Lord? Is there a voice that you heard, a thought, an impression? You think that's the Lord. He's showing me to do something. If it's from the Lord, typically it doesn't go away. If it was just like your Taco Bell, it, it usually kind of goes away after a few days. That, oh yeah, I had that thought once, but eh. But if you're hearing from the Lord, it doesn't go away. It just keeps coming back, keeps coming back. You're reading the word. Has that come to life? Has that call come to life through the word of God? Has there been confirmations through other people? Right? One, of the, one of the interesting confirmations that I had, I was really having a hard time one day with, Lord, are you really calling us to go to Utah? I feel like I'm crazy. 
feel like I'm like making this up in my own head. And I'm not, no joke, I wouldn't use this as like the gold standard, but at that very moment, a Utah license plate came like driving right by me. I'm like, okay, I'm not crazy. But then is there, is there those confirmations? And then lastly, is there peace in the decision or is there confusion in the decision? And you can sort of use those things to go, I believe God's calling me. And then you take steps of faith. And if, you're, if it turns out that you were wrong and you heard incorrectly, I believe that God honors your step of faith. And because he had that sail up, our God's big enough to make you circle around to where you need to be. So I hope that wasn't too much about me. I hope God uses this in your life to really help direct your steps uh, as he has mine. So let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight and just pray that you would take this, this message, this time in your word, the, the direction that you give and that you would use it in the lives of your people to help them discern when it's your voice, God, when it's you that's speaking to them to have some practical things to look at and to say, yes, it is, or no, it's not. I pray, God, that you would give all of us a boldness and a filling of the Holy Spirit to walk by faith and not by sight and to be able to step out into the things that you're calling us or the things that we think you're calling us to and just to walk by faith and see how you light the path in front of us. And so, Lord, I just pray for an, an outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon each one of us that we might know you more first and foremost. We might spend time with you and just in the presence of our Savior, knowing that we have heaven to look forward to, but then that we might hear your voice and follow you as you say, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. So Lord, direct us, fill us with your spirit, give us understanding and wisdom and the things that you desire in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. If you guys need prayer, come get some prayer. I'd be happy to pray with you.